for the one life solution to work. There always has to be someone there helping to make it work for your relationships to work. There has to be somebody there helping you. Who's there helping you? Has this work for you? And so as we come to the to the end of this five-week relationship series called Rethink How You Live, I want to talk to you about your one-life solution. I believe you can have better relationships. I believe you have blind spots in your relationships. I believe relationships that are stuck can get unstuck if you're willing to put in the effort. I believe there are some relationships that are never going to work, however, and that wasn't a choice you made, but it's a choice you must accept at times in your life. I believe you need to learn more about how you sometimes set yourself up for difficulties in relationships with friends and family. I believe you're responsible for your own relational maturity. Nobody can can do that without you and God working together because I believe you need God in all of your relationships. I believe your relationship with God must be the preeminent relationship in your life. And that's not just a a Sunday morning suggestion, that's a reality that must cover our lives and hold on to our lives every single day. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. From this beautiful psalm, there are three truths that seem to kind of pour out. Three simple truths. One, God knows everything about our lives. There's nothing that he doesn't know. You can't hide anything from him. He knows everything about our lives. Two, God numbered all of our days. 
He knows how many days we're going to live. As it says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to be born and a time to die. I did a memorial service here yesterday for a man who was born in 1941, and then he died on April 20th. All of his days were numbered. All of my days are numbered, as are yours. He numbered them all. He knows where we are, at what strategic moment, whatever that is in our lives. He knows right where we are. And third, we have to choose to let God define us and refine us. Keep those two words in your mind. Choose to let God define us. He defines and he refines. Now, let's look for another example of how this works in a very personal way. Let's look at Romans chapter 7 where Paul kind of is wrestling with all of this. It's one of the great chapters of the New Testament. It's a very different kind of a chapter because Paul is, is sort of waffling and he's, he's wobbly with his life and he's going back and forth. And uh, let me just set it up. He says, starting at verse 21, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. He's struggling with, with the idea of there's the law and they can't keep the law and then there's, there's sin in his life. He goes and does things he doesn't want to do. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Do you hear the echo? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I truly delight in God's commands. Parts of me covertly rebel. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Read Romans 7. See where you, you connect to it. See where you really hear Paul's heartbeat. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Paul needs a one life solution. He needs a person. He needs a relationship that's going to change the equation, that's going to give him sort of a, a power that comes from outside of himself. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. But that doesn't take away your responsibility of wanting to mature. That doesn't take away your responsibility of needing to have a difficult conversation. That doesn't take away your responsibility to, to navigate the ups and downs and in-betweens of a grief process. The One Life Solution is actually a series of key decisions or personal rules you have to make. 
rules that will define your relationships on a variety of levels. Remember, God will be in this with you. He always is because he knows everything about our lives, because he numbered all of our days, because we have to choose to let God define us and refine us. Part of choosing to let God define us and refine us is setting key rules for your one life solution. And I'd like to give you four. And I'd like to give credit to Henry Cloud for a book that he wrote called The One Life Solution. It's extensive, it's comprehensive. Uh, it could take you weeks and weeks and weeks to read through it and, and plug everything into your life because it's, you know, the content is off the charts, but it's well worth doing that. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for one of those practical books that bring faith and life together in a deep way that will help you be a mature person, that will give you the one life solution in all of its complexity and in all of its simplicity, then the one life solution is for you. But let me give you four rules that will help you understand the one life solution for your life today. Rule number one, find the sweat and set the rule. Find the sweat and set the rule. Here's how this works. What situation, person, or tasks make you start to sweat? You get kind of anxious, you start to get a little worried. You know the anxiety meter is about to surge to DEFCON through the roof. Try hard not to look to the right or left at this point in the message so as not to get yourself in trouble in church. Please stay focused looking at me. I'll give you a simple example from my life. What makes me sweat? Thank you. The sermon is over. Thank you. I'm not going to tell you. No, I'll tell you. What makes me sweat is not being prepared, not being prepared to do my best. It makes me sweat every single weekend when I've got to be here. What makes me sweat is not being prepared to do my best. So my rule is to block out much more time than I need to accomplish what I need to do. I will block out three hours for something that might take 90 minutes, or I might block out six hours for something that might take three to four. When I keep my rule, find the sweat and set the rule, when I keep my rule, I sweat less. So find the sweat, set the rule. What makes you kind of get kind of anxious? You know, search me, God. Know my anxious thoughts. What, make, what, what puts you there? And then figure out what you really have to do for that. That can relate to finances. That can relate to parenting. That can relate to challenges right now in your business. You know, you've got a lot of things to figure out when you go to work tomorrow morning, a lot of things to figure out in your business, and you, you worry about it so much that you end up just spinning your wheels and thinking about how you got to figure it all out. Find the sweat, set the rule. Take two hours off every afternoon for a week, and in those two hours, just let it come to you through prayer, through maybe reading something from another business expert. Uh, just take two hours and go, in these two hours, I'm going to set this rule. I'm going to do this for a week. I'm going to do this for a month. 
I'm going to let it come to me. I'm going to sit there with a blank piece of paper, a blank legal pad, and I'm just going to write whatever comes to my mind, or I'm going to write down thoughts that I'm going to listen to a, an old Global Leadership Summit message from Jim Collins and see what he said five years ago that maybe can challenge where I am right now. See, that's it's all in all these practical details of our lives that our lives really do start to change. Otherwise, we just sweat and we sweat and we sweat and we sweat and we sweat. Nothing ever changes. Find the sweat. Set the rule. Rule number two, always manage energy. Always manage energy. We all have a finite amount of energy. God knows that. That's why in creation, he worked six days and he rested on the seventh to show us that we need to take time to rest. Here are the managing energy questions for our lives. When do you need your best energy? When do you need your best energy? When is your best energy available for you? When does it, when does it, there's a time during the day when your best energy is available to you and you know when that is. What are your energy drains? Who are your energy drains? Once again, please stay focused, look at me, do not look to the left or to the right. Who are your energy drains? What puts energy back into you? Do your energy demands match up to your energy resources? Is what is expected of you congruent with what you have to bring to the table, in other words? Can you make adjustments if necessary to energy flow and energy go? Where do you see this in the Bible? Where do you see this in the Bible? If you go to 1 Kings 18 and 19, you read about a guy named Elijah, and he kind of blew his circuits. He had a, a big event going on in 1 Kings 18. By 1 Kings 19, he is maxed out. He is down and out. He's got to run away, and he tells God, look, God, I really can't do this anymore. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore, really. It's an amazing story of a depleted person, a person who has no energy left. The other day, I didn't, uh, I didn't have any energy left, and I, and I knew it. I knew it. Came off of a, of a four-day vacation. The first day kind of got robbed because of stuff that was going on with the airlines, and so the vacation got shorter before it had a chance to get off the ground. Uh, came back, came into the weekend, to be here to do the, the message on grief, a grief observed, uh, rolled into doing a memorial service, which I'm honored to do, and there's, there's no greater honor than to give a eulogy that brings perspective to somebody's entire life, and I'm very humbled to be able to do that. But when that was all done on Wednesday afternoon, I had no more energy, none. I, and I, and I, just, I just knew it. So. Gail was talking about how our, our granddaughter, Sophia, had left her iPad in, in our car and, and that she really needed it for some homework assignment that was due and she had to really get working on that. And a little voice inside of me said, drive it to Williamsburg. That's late afternoon on Wednesday and, and I, I did get stopped dead, you know, before the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel because there was that disabled vehicle that is always there, it always goes there sometime in the afternoon. If we could find that person, we could 
end that problem, but we can't. Um, so, you know, I, 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 that's all I could really do was like drive to Williamsburg. It's all the energy that I had. And as I drove to Williamsburg, I started to get this picture in my mind. Pierce's barbecue. And I started to, energy started to come as I had this picture of a Pierce's barbecue. I could start to taste it right around Fort Eustis. I could start to taste it. And so I got to Pierce's, had the barbecue sandwich. I got the deal. Uh, I splurged. I had, I had a dessert piece of pound cake. Uh, I only ate like three bites of that because I'm trying to, to, to watch this here, right? So, uh, so, but then I delivered the iPad. Every, there was rejoicing in Williamsburg because the iPad was delivered and the homework was saved. And, and then I drove back home. And, and those, that 120-mile trip and a couple of hours, that just brought energy back into my life. And you have to know how to do that. Elijah needed to know how to do that. And God helped him with that. Read the story, 1 Kings 19. God helped him with that. God cares about the energy. Always manage energy. Rule number three, stop the merry-go-round. Stop the merry-go-round. And we all know, remember fondly the merry-go-round. I don't know if you were an up-and-down person. You know, you get on the the horse that goes up and down, and, and they're all different color horses, or if you are a stationary horse person, which never made sense to me, or if you are like a sit-on-a-bench person, which never made any sense to me. But we all know and have fond memories of a merry-go-round, but when the merry-go-round happens in our lives, it's not good. Merriam-Webster defines a merry-go-round this way. A set or series of repeated activities that are quick, confusing, or difficult to leave. A set or series of repeated activities that are quick, confusing, or difficult to leave. And so it keeps going around, it keeps going around. What keeps you going in circles in your life and going nowhere? You want sobriety, but you keep going in circles rather than getting into the recovery program that can give you hope. You want more responsibility at work, but you never get the training or education to make the move. You want to grow spiritually, but you watch sports or movies with all your free time. You want friends. You want friends, but you incessantly complain about people's imperfections. Do you know anybody like that? I do. They want friends, but they drive people away. They're on this crazy merry-go-round. Search me and know my heart, God, is the key to stopping the merry-go-round. It's the key to stopping the merry-go-round. Remember a few weeks ago, I talked to you about stages of discipleship. Steve Carter wrote a book, the Invita This Invitational Life, Risking Yourself to Align with God's Heartbeat for Humanity, and he gave three stages of discipleship. One, the simple stage. You consider life with Jesus as a beautiful idea. It's like that's not where the action is. You can't just sing Amazing Grace or Jesus Loves Me and, and, and expect like, well, you, you arrived or you're on your way. That's just a simple stage. It's, a, it's an entry-level stage. It's a 101 stage. You consider life with Jesus as a beautiful idea. You start there, but you have to quickly move to struggle. This is a title fight of the will. This is what Paul was writing about in Romans chapter 7. He wants to do good, and he finds that he can. He's struggling with it, and his faith must be tested at increasingly deeper and deeper levels. When you find your faith being tested at deeper and deeper levels, you know you're in this struggle phase of discipleship. And then 
there's the stage called sacred. Your faith has been tested. You have developed maturity. Your faith is, is proven to be authentic. You are, you are really starting to understand that he's the vine and you're the branch and that you're not gonna do anything apart from him. And that becomes a flow of, of energy and spiritual growth in your life every single day. It just kind of starts to happen as, as you're breathing. It's happening just the way you breathe, the sacred. And the sacred asks you to get off the merry-go-round. The sacred shows you opportunities of where you can get off the merry-go-round. You know you're on the sacred level when you realize that you choose to get off the merry-go-round every day, one day at a time is the only way we really live our lives. Rule number four, say no to protect yes. Say no to protect yes. What you say no to helps you to know what you are saying yes to. Let me tell you about saying no. Saying no shapes your focus, determines the reality of your morality, determines how you use your time, determines how much people can control you, determines what others can do to you, determines what you allow others to do, determines what people can get from you, determines what people can get you to do. Saying no protects your energy and resources. Saying no protects you from self-destructive behaviors. Saying no keeps you on mission. No, the simple word no, might be the honest answer. That's in Proverbs 24, 26 that I talked to you about. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Say no to protect yes. Find the sweat and set the rule. Always manage energy. Stop the merry-go-round. Say no to protect yes. But remember, remember just like those doves who, who put a nest under an air conditioner and there was a, an egg with twin yolks in it that were going to become two little baby doves. Just always remember that you can never do that alone. Rethink how you live means you need God as the preeminent relationship of your life. And it also means that we need each other in this walk of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And so this letter from God came very differently. I don't think I've ever had one come this way. It came as I was driving my car. I had to dictate half of it into my phone because it was coming so quickly. And then the rest of it came last night. Dear friends, when you leave here today, you will need three things in your pocket or purse. Humility, grace, passion. Humility before me. Grace for people you live, work with, or encounter. Passion to do something that changes the world. Without these things, your life will be merely a superficial effort to serve your own agendas. However you structure your life, you'll run the risk of being a whitewashed tomb, which my son talked about long ago. You see, it's easy to look good on the outside. Anyone can do that. But it's the work of becoming authentic that will make you a light in the world. I will search you. I know everything about you. I know your thoughts right now. I know your hopes and dreams. I know what you're struggling with that appears to have no answer. I know that secret that isn't a secret to me. I also know what I can do in you. 
What you may describe as your one life solution is all about, I'll use one of your words, plugging me into the equation of the details of your life. Your relational life, your spiritual growth, your financial plans, your business upturns and downturns, the lessons from failure, the lessons from faith, the lessons from desperate tears, the lessons of joy, the lessons of seeing my invisible scarred holy hands move in your times. Everything depends on asking me to lead you. So we come to this moment, a final question driving toward your soul. Am I leading you? If you say yes, you'll have all of my promises in this life. And in the life to come, you will have what you've always longed for. You will know why I made you and what I've prepared for you. The mystery will be revealed in glorious wonder. Tomorrow, we begin again. I'll be there at dawn. Humility, grace, passion, God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to, to learn a little bit more about how to reach for maturity in Christ over these last five weeks. Father, help us to, to distill these lessons that can change the way we live. Help us to rethink how we live all the time. Help us to know that you are searching us and that you know us so fully. Father, just take away anxious thoughts. Father, lead us onward towards your kingdom. Father, in all relationships, may you help us find the truth. May you help us see our blind spots. May you lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name. Amen.